This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Live commentary. Uh, ball back with companion centre of the field. I hope he plays a long raking pass. He doesn't. <laughs> it's found Dobby. Oh, again, he's tried to... Have you got a word for those short passes? Well, I've got a word for that short pass, but um, <laughs> I better not say it. Live interviews. Yeah, I think that's where we'll be for, for the foreseeable future. You know, we're working on some interesting things there. And um, I think that redeveloping, redeveloping it bit by bit is probably going to be our best option. Expert analysis. Hello and welcome to a special Homestar Radio mini podcast. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm salivating for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Well, most of the time, anyway. Homesdale Radio. Good evening, or morning, or night, or afternoon, or whenever you're listening, and welcome to a very special podcast-only Homesdale Radio. We're recording this on Tuesday night, the same day as the Palace Awards night, and almost 24 hours after a pretty spectacular night at Sellers Park. At 60 minutes, we look dead and buried against the Liverpool side who looks set to take Man City to the wire in a race for the Premier League title. But half an hour later, we've clawed the game back to 3-0 and in the process, it all but ended Steven Gerrard's chances of lifting the Premier League trophy this season. There really is no other club we'd rather support. Joining me tonight to discuss this incredible occasion is Nick Gussett. Good start, Nick. Alex White. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you, mate, yeah. And Tom Fancett. Hello. Hello. So, without further ado, let's get started. First up tonight, news in brief. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. Eagles boss Tony Pulis has been rewarded for his side's fine form of late by being awarded the Barclays Manager of the Month award for April. Palace picked up four straight victories in the month against Cardiff City, Aston Villa, Everton and West Ham United to secure Premier League safety and land Pulis the monthly accolade. Crystal Palace, free. Liverpool, free. News in brief. Brave, brave, brave. I told you it was brief. We're back now. Um, and we're going to talk about that game. That's obviously why we're here. And uh, it was a pretty amazing night last night. My voice, as you can probably tell, is a little bit croaky after that. Um, but yeah, we're we're here to, to discuss that. And obviously we'll start. I don't know if Nick's there. He might be, he might not. But we'll uh, we'll we'll carry on. 
Um, and we'll go straight into the starting lineup as we usually do. Um, only one change. I'll uh, I'll read you through the team. Uh, Spronian goal, then Mariapa, Dan, Delaney, Ward, Punchin, Jennet, KG, Blassi, Ledley and Shamak. So just KG in for Jerome, uh, the ill Cameron Jerome, in fact. Um, Pulis <coughs> before the game that he wasn't very well. Um, I mean, I, I, I like the lineup. Ledley, obviously, in that more advanced role. I think he's a quality player and the system works and it was a very strong team. Um, I was saying before the game, I wasn't sure how we'd approach it. Obviously, we're safe. Um, whether we were, whether we were going to play youngsters or a few sort of fringe players, uh, but in the end, I think I did what Tony Pudis did what I thought he'd do um, in respecting the title race and and playing a full strength side. So, Alex, I'll come to you first. What do you think about that starting lineup? Yeah, Tony's far too professional in in, in terms of his footballing side to to change it around too much and, and too much respect for the Premier League. I think on that behalf, but I, you know, I, I I'm an admirer of Cage. Yeah, I know a lot of people aren't, and a lot of people don't want to see him at Palace and whatever, but. It brings stability. I don't think he had his his best game, but you, you know what you're going to get. He breaks the ball up and you get a poor pass, but he did a job, didn't he? He came off. He wasn't great, but I think I think there's actually been a change of system when you look at it. I think you see Ledley and KG now playing a little bit more advanced with Jednak in that holding position. Ever since we got safe, safer, and safer, he played more of those two advanced players and Jednak sort of free roaming just in front of the defence. Right, so are you saying that the team that we played yesterday is a team that you would play, or or is, would you make changes if you were with Tony Pulis? If I, I would personally only make one change, and I'd look to bring in um, somebody in place of KG, whether that be Barry Bannon or Johnny Williams, just to keep the ball a bit better and oppose more of a threat, perhaps. Okay, and Tom, what are your thoughts on that starting lineup? Yeah, pretty pleased with it. Um, normally at this time of the year, I mean, I think Tony Pulis himself said. He would have liked to have had the opportunity to uh, play a few of the players who were not out of favour, but you know, not starting week in, week out. Um, but with obviously the quality of the opposition and what was going on with the title race, he said it, you know, that wouldn't be fair. And you know, there was a good chance if we did something like that and play something too obscure to what we've been doing lately, we we could have got a spanking. So I wasn't too surprised to see the lineup. Um, yeah, Jerome on the bench. As I say, he was injured. Yeah, not not. Not too fussed about. Um, I like Schumacher and I like Ledley in the more advanced role. So, yeah, I was pretty happy. Okay, you mentioned in your pre-show notes, Tom, about uh, you said if it was a lower lower table team, we might have seen some of the fringe or young players start. Uh, having, you know, with that in mind, do you think going into the Fulham game next week that will be the case and we'll, we won't play the same team? Or what do you think? Um, I think we'll probably play the majority of the same team, but I think Al, after his events, has got a really good shout of starting. I think if that game is had been someone like a West Brom or... Uh, I don't know, in Norwich or someone like that, we might have actually seen Gale and Murray starting, but I think I think you've got to start him after after the performance last night. So we'll yeah, talk more about that later. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's definitely a point we're gonna come on to later. Dwight Gale is obviously a, the name on everyone's lips after, you know, a couple of goals last night and and really the the, the chat now is whether, you know, he's got a, a place in the team next season. So we'll we'll, we'll definitely come on to that. Uh, we'll move on slightly now to the display. I I don't think Nick, can you uh, make a noise if you're there? Hello. Nick is there. Right, well, uh, I won't move on to the display. I'll, I'll stay with starting line-up for a minute and uh, I'll get your thoughts on, on that. We were just saying that obviously one change, KG in for Jerome. Did you like the starting line-up yesterday? Um, I, w- I was pleased that we, we had a strong starting line-up because, um, as one of you said earlier, it, it wouldn't be fair on Chelsea and Man City if we if we played, played a week inside. I think perhaps against Fulham, now that game is meaningless, we can experiment a bit more. But um, 
no, we, we, we have to put the same side out that we play out all season, otherwise somebody will call foul and um, I, I mm. think we could get caught up on that. Um, I, I do miss Williams. You mentioned Bannon and Williams and I, I mentioned to the people around me that um, when when Liverpool were kind of over us a bit, we didn't keep the ball that well and we needed somebody like Williams to run with the ball. Um, but having said that, Ledley did quite a bit of that yesterday, I thought. Mm, I, yeah. I, I, go on, no, go I can't, on. I can't put my finger on what KG does, but we do miss him when he's not there. That said, last night was one of his poorer games. It really was. Okay, yeah, your point on Williams is is quite an interesting one because obviously he's, he's been out on loan and now he's coming back. Whether we'll see him against Fulham is, is quite an interesting point because he's obviously in fantastic form. He's he's gone over to Ipswich. He's won their their goal of the season award, and by all accounts, they you know they they want to keep him. He's been so good. So whether. He'll come back in for that. I'm not not so sure whether his season's over, but yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, I'll move on now to the display, as I was going to a minute ago. Um, obviously, absolutely brilliant work again from the home staff fanatics, and sort of they they really do create the atmosphere at, at Palace. And you know, we get so many plaudits now. Um, you know, I, I was going to say about a really widespread acknowledgement of our fans now. Um, you know, from spectators, journalists, everyone seems to be noticing it, and that is simply because of, of the home staff fanatics and, and what they do there to create that atmosphere. Um, the display itself, uh, I, I assume most people listening will have seen it, but it's obviously Fortress Sellhurst with a big two-tier display, a castle on each side and the words in the middle, but yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, Nick, I'll come straight back to you and, and ask for your thoughts on that display, please. Um I was a bit disappointed, to be honest, and don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate all the hard work that's gone into it, but the um, it could have been a bit more like our badge, I thought. It wasn't enough like our badge, and it just wasn't as good as, as the previous ones, I thought, and the grey and the blue, it just didn't stand out as well as perhaps it might have done. Um, what was interesting, though, was the effect, um, as they came out, uh, we were the glad all over was playing and it was a lovely ripley effect because people underneath the the kind of silk or whatever it was made out of were really making it ripple because they were still clapping along <laughs> even though they couldn't see anything that amused me yeah i mean if we're going to go into the sort of game and talk about color schemes uh, i do agree that that the silver and you know those colors don't weren't really sort of palace colors as it were but i mean the fact that we're talking about it as not being you know, their best display really shows how good some of their previous displays have been because, I mean, if you see that at any other ground in the Premier League, um, it's incredible. So I think that even even saying that you didn't particularly like it is, is testament to the Homestead Fanatics and, and what they've done in the past. Uh, Alex, thoughts? Yeah, there's there's nothing else like it in the country, really. I don't think you know, you'll go to any stadium in the country and expect to see something like that. But I think the great thing for me especially the last two or three seasons is a lot of credit goes to the Homestale fanatics, but that whole Homestale itself now up behind the goal, block C, D, E and F, we're all standing up and we're all clapping and we're all enjoying it now and it's really spreading across. And I saw tweets last night from, from neutral saying, you know, it's not even that corner. It's just everyone singing and everyone's bouncing. I think that's the really lovely thing that they've had a big influence on us and, and we're really there for the palace, you know, three points at the end of the day is, is is probably second best as long as we we get 100% on the pitch then then we'll back the players I think and Chris will slaughter us as well if we don't mention the Arthur Waite as well because obviously they put a lot of effort into there in that top corner as well and that sort of really sort of goes around the ground because you get the, the singing between the Homestead and the Arthur Waite and I was sat in the Arthur Waite yesterday actually so I had quite a good view of, of the Homestead I moved away from my season ticket seat for that game and you really do get you know 
to see from that because um, my season tickets in the Homestale uh, as uh, Tom is as well and you sort of when you're right in it you don't appreciate what's going on there really and, but from seeing it you know from the Arthur Waite you really do appreciate what, what goes on Tom you were right in the middle of that display how, how was it for you? That good was it? Alright oh, Unbelievable on speechless <laughs> <laughs> I don't know are um, you there Tom? Or? Sorry I didn't yeah my, my mic sort of was having issues there uh, mainly that I didn't turn it on <laughs> um, <laughs> That's where, my trick Yeah from where I was was sitting, uh, all I could see was uh, pieces of brown card in front of me. So I didn't really get the best best view of the display, but um, I've seen a couple of photos now. I'm, I'm still not quite sure what it, was it was. So you had the the, the towers on the side and the fortress cellars, but what was it? Was it supposed to be the gate? Was it the rest of it? Or um, yeah, uh, yes. I don't really know. To I be think honest. it's just just aesthetically pleasing. I think that was the main aim, just to <laughs> make it look nice and pretty. Oh, good. We've turned into changing rooms. We um, have, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm just going to say I've had a couple of comments on, uh, on on Twitter. We've been asking our sort of uh, our fans as always. You can get in contact with the show at Hull Radio anytime. You know, send us a comment. We'll try and include it in the next show. Um, so we've had Angus Mainland said he thought the display was a great effort as ever and thinks we're doing pretty average. I think the drawing was pretty average compared to others though. Um, Christopher Dack said it summed up our spirit and never say die attitude this season. Also, he thought uh, Spironi's produced. The, the save that Baroni produced earlier on was top class. And uh, on the other side of the coin, actually, we have uh, Samuel Margot, so it was not the greatest display scene. Interesting. Right. Uh, yeah, well, sort of mixed views on that. But as I say, you know, us thinking it's not the greatest display really does show how good the previous ones have been. Uh, let's talk about the, the Liverpool goals now, because obviously they, they came before our three. Go on, Nick, you got a quick point. Sorry, um, two things. The, the cards made very good paper darts. One of them actually stuck in the ground like a javelin, I noticed, once they were starting to hold them at the Liverpool goalkeeper. Um, just to talk about the atmosphere again, I watched the um, Bayern Munich-Real Madrid game last week, and I think I commentated on the homestyle at, at how brilliant the atmosphere was and, and how much more we got to do to get that atmosphere. But last night was bloody rocking, and actually I thought, Fair play to absolutely everybody. In the uh, family stand bit at the uh, Saints present, everybody was stood up for most of the game. The main stand was rocking. There was lots of singing coming from the main stand. So it is all around the ground now. And it was all the way through the game. And just had everybody there because it's the best year I've known at Selhurst for a long, long time. And I've been going for 37 years. It was just superb. Mm, yeah, you superb. Yeah, you mentioned that comparison with European football and Paul Hayward, he's a, a journalist for the Daily Telegraph. He yeah. uh, he said that that atmosphere was, was something that you usually have to go over to, to somewhere like Germany to see. But, you know, to have it in our little small corner of South London is, is quite something. So, yeah, really something to, to be proud of and, and something that I think will only get better as well as we sort of uh, push on into next season. So something to really, really look forward to. Now, Liverpool goals. Um, they scored three before we scored three, so we should probably talk about it in a chronological order. And... Uh, We'll discuss the negatives first, and then uh, it gets pretty positive after that. Uh, the first one uh, was disappointing, and I think there's something that Tony Pulis will look at during the week because um, Alex mentioned it uh, pre-show, and it's something that I've seen a, a couple of times as well. It's the first goal we've conceded uh, from a set piece under Tony Pulis, so that that's a magnificent start. I was lo- looking back at Monday Night Football on, on Sky and all the other teams. You know, the minimum they've conceded from set pieces was sort of five or six. So for us to have not conceded any is uh, is ridiculous. And I, don't, I was a bit surprised that I hadn't seen that stat before, actually. Um, but yeah, there was a bit of a warning sign in the first sort of maybe 10 minutes before the goal. Sacco had a free header uh, that he put just wide, and that was a sort of warning. And then the goal itself, 
maybe arguments that Ledley got blocked off when he was trying to, because Joe Allen runs from the front post to the back post, um, and Joe Ledley tries to chase after him but gets held back a bit. I, I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, from a, from a non-biased point of view, you'd have to say it's probably not a foul because that's something you see from every set piece. Uh, you know, you get people holding on to, on to other players and... Uh, I mean, Jednak is uh, is one that does that for every corner. So I mean, we can't cry foul at that, and and then not want uh, to be penalised when Jednak does it. But disappointing that it was such a free header, and you know, Joe Allen's five foot six, so it's disappointing that that he scored the header. Um, but yeah, we went one 0 down, and I think that was what most people expected at that point. So uh, Tom, I'll come to you first. What were your thoughts on that first Liverpool goal? Um, well, I was expecting them to score, to be honest. I, I've just never seen a team sort of go forward, well, for a long time with that sort of in, attacking incentive. They were what we would have expected, you know, what we've heard the press and the other media sort of say over over time. Um, I, I don't know really what, what to say about it, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's probably best to go somewhere else. OK. Um, well, yeah, I'll come to you then, then Tony. Uh, sorry, not Tony. No, Tony's not even on the radio show. I don't know why I've tried to get to him. Alex, let's go to you. Um, Liverpool obviously have scored a, a pretty magnificent amount of goals this season, just shy of 100. So were you expecting that, that goal to go in pretty early? No, because you know, because last week we conceded a goal early uh, against City and I think the players would have got a right bollocking for that because we pride ourselves on staying, staying solid. Regardless who it's against this season, we've stayed solid and, and we put up that battering ram. And to concede from a from a set piece was very disappointing but you talk about Joe Ledley there by the book that is a foul because he's come across him he hasn't he hasn't even he hasn't grabbed him he's just stood in front of him and and that is that is a foul by the book but not going to complain too much as you say it happens week in week out but to concede that early I think was disappointing again for the second week in a row but I don't think you can complain really when you realize the the difference in in opposition mm, okay and then Nick was that a foul for you Joe, uh, Joe Allen Kind of, kind of, and uh, I know we'll talk about it later in the game uh, when when one of Palace's goal goals was scored. That um, uh, what's his face, Gerard was arguing that he'd been impeded uh, at the Liverpool corner at the other end. So it's it swings and roundabouts, and and watching it back on match of the day, Jonathan Pierce said it's kind of like poetic justice that we'd been impeded for their first goal. So you know. It's, it swings and roundabouts. Um, the goal was coming. Having said that, before the goal, I thought it was actually quite end-to-end. We, we did have a few chances. And I don't know. They'd, Liverpool didn't look the best team that have been at Sellers this year. I know they capitulated at the end, but I've seen better teams there. Mm, yeah, consistency, you mentioned just a minute ago, is something that you, we haven't really seen from referees this season. It, it's sort of one role for one team and one for the other. I mean, the handball thing in the penalty area is one because... I mean, early in the season when Moxie, first game of the season against Tottenham, uh, got given a penalty against him for the handball. And then the week after, there was one yeah. in the Chelsea game that wasn't given. And, you know, it's nice to see a bit of consistency from Mark Clattenburg yesterday. Referees get the, the rough end of the stick a lot of the time. But, yeah, and I think it was a, the right decision for him to, to leave. You say, probably. You, you say that, Ben, but I counted six fouls that Raheem Sterling did without getting booked. So I'm not going to praise him too much. <laughs> OK, fair enough. Well, we did get so, back into it. If we lost, then maybe we could uh, slate the referee a bit more. But, talking um, of which, yeah. sorry, I'm, I could have sworn that Skirtle got booked in the first half. Uh, I think he got talking to in the first half. Oh, right, because I, I thought he was going to get sent off in the second. Yeah, I, I, I definitely remember because was it him that got yellow carded when... He sort of clattered a player and it looked like it was close to being last man but wasn't quite. And I thought yeah. that when he got that yellow card, 
yeah, I, I did think after that he might get sent off, but it wasn't to be. Um, let's talk about us getting back into the game then, or, or nearly getting back into the game. Uh, we had two pretty good chances between Liverpool's first and second goal. Uh, the first one from Punch and forced to save from Mignolet, and then the Jednat one shortly after, sort of in the in the space of a couple of minutes, those two chances. Um, and my question really is, is, did we deserve to get back into it? So, Alex, I'll come to you. Well, the chances were sort of long-range efforts, but I think as soon as Jednak struck that, I was hoping it was going to hit the net because how many times does he come so close? But equally, how many times does he blast it over? I think we're just waiting for that wonder goal from from Mele. But you'd say they're based on clear-cut chances. We've had two good chances that have pulled two magnificent saves out of Mingale. So uh, maybe if it went if it went one all, you wouldn't complain there. But I guess chances-wise over the match, then then Liverpool edged it because I think they certainly doubled our our shot count. Mm, yeah, Punching is a player that. You know, when he gets the ball and he's in that right area, you, you you sort of think he's going to get a shot off. And when he does, it seems to go in quite a lot of the time. And Mignolet's view was blocked. So I, I was quite hopeful that that might sneak in at the near post. But Mignolet is, in my opinion, one of the best goalkeepers in the league and, and did well to, to save it. And then Jednax, like you say, uh, yeah, he does seem to blast quite a few of them over the bar. So I was a bit bit more worried when he got the ball than I was with Punching. But a fantastic effort and, and what a save from, from Mignolet there as well. Uh, Tom, at 1-0, and we had those couple of chances, did you think we deserved to get back into the game? Um, I think that's sort of the trademarks of a Pulis side, really. Um, the, we, we were trying to go, you know, we weren't really phased by it, you know, 1-0 down, but OK, let's keep to the game plan. And I think it, on another day, maybe maybe we would have would have got a bit more successful. Um, as Alex said, they were sort of speculative, more from more from distance. But, you know, Minile's a, a top goalkeeper, and uh, he was always going to sort of really have a good chance of getting to him. So yeah. I don't think it would have been unjust, but I think it was unlikely okay. at that point. So uh, we went into half-time at 1-0, and at that point, um, two very different team talks, I would assume, from, from the two managers. Tony Pulis obviously wanted to keep it tight, look for a way back into the game, but Liverpool going into that were, were very, um, sort of they needed the goals, and they've got a goal difference to turn around, so they wanted to come out and, and get a couple of early goals. So they did do that, unfortunately. They came out and they scored uh, two pretty pretty quick goals in the 53rd and 55th minute um, sort of annoyingly because um, it's disappointing that's sort of a, a Holloway thing and it to come out after the break so and concede a couple of goals I didn't expect that from from a Pulis side um, but I mean it, it is disappointing the, the second goal let's talk about that Liverpool second and then, and then quickly on to the third and then we'll move on to to the more positive things um, absolutely brilliant ball from, from Gerrard um, from you know, for the second goal, and then Sturridge's shot took a big deflection off Delaney. Um, it didn't. I mean, it didn't take too much of, of a different angle on the ball, but sort of, you know, messed Baroni up a little bit. Didn't get down quick enough, and, and it went in. But it really took the wind out of ourselves at that point because at one nil, you always felt like we we could get back into the game. Um, but then at two nil, you always worried that the floodgates were going to open, and and there was a worry not even just from the fans, but you sort of seemed to see it on the players a little bit as well. So, uh, Nick, I'll come to you. Cause uh, first on this, what, what did you think when the second went in? Were you worried that the floodgates were going to open? It was a bit disappointing, uh, and I did think the floodgates were going to open, especially they scored two minutes after that as well, didn't they? Um, yeah. They're, they're a good team. They're, they're, that forward line they've got there, it's just phenomenal, isn't it? And it's inevitable that if they're attacking that much, they're going to score, I think. Did they score kind of the same sort of time in the second half that they did in the first half? Was it kind of eight or nine minutes in? 18th like minute for the, in the first half, and then the second goal was yeah, 53rd. So, oh, right, so eight minutes. Yeah. A little bit less. And yeah, I did I did think the floodgates were going to open. 
um, because they were they were chasing. They they had a big goal difference to make up, and that that's what they went for. And ultimately, that was their downfall. Mm, I mean, you saw that from Sturridge as well because when he scored, he's he's got that trademark celebration, but he, he didn't do it yesterday. He sort of went to celebrate a little bit and then realised actually no, we we need to get back to the to the halfway line and carry this on. So. Yeah, you've, you've really got that from the Liverpool players. They were as soon as that goal went in, they were back to the halfway line, ready to go again. And they did go again, unfortunately, um, because they they got a third a couple of minutes later, and that was really disappointed. I think it was Liverpool's best goal, if I'm honest. Um, Suarez yeah. got very very lucky to get round Delaney, sort of took a dodgy bounce and managed to get past him, and then um, the sort of Sterling and Suarez one two round Scott Dan, uh, and then to the net, uh, brilliant goal. And at that point, uh, I think. Well, I said to my dad after the game, you sort of wanted it to end then. Um, you know, coming up to the hour mark, 3-0 down against Liverpool, you think, right, we'll just pack up and go home now, thanks, because uh, it could get ugly. Um, Tom, I'll come to you. Was that your thoughts after the third? Yeah, I mean, the way, especially after the second goal, where they just ran and grabbed the ball, put take it straight to the penalty spot, you knew they were desperate to try and make up some of the goal difference if in case it came down to that on the final day and their title hopes. Um, and it was by that point, it, we started to look a bit slack and there were some voices around me saying, you know, it could really be a, a route today, hopefully not another 9-0, but uh, we, there was a chance we were going to take a real hammering, especially with the speed that they were coming forward. And it was just, mm. as Alex said earlier, there's time and time again, I think they had 26 shots in the game. Not 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 a great deal more than us on target, but, you know, they were, they were definitely creating chances as an attacking unit and they were very very strong going forward um so i was i was definitely fearful at that moment in time but uh no credit to the the palace lads in the, the home cell you know they didn't stop singing they kept backing them the whole way and um well obviously we know the result yeah i think we thing. could have had a sorry i think we could have had a few more shots especially in the first half we 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 had ledley and a couple of others shaping up to shoot and then they play the ball out wide to balassi and i thought you know we these are the these are the shots we should be taking and i but think that's... we 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 didn't have a couple of digs that we should have done, which might have changed the game a little bit in the first half. But that's how we play, isn't it? I mean, even even in the, the second half when we were we were, oh, we'll come to it later when we were three two up. You know, we 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 don't take that speculative shot. We look for that perfect ball. We're passing it around, and maybe there's one or two times when the people shout and shoot, and we you know we were sort of just outside the box, and they pass it out wide or do a couple of passes, and then try and cut in again. You know, they they're trying to play to their strengths. So I, I agree with you. You know, it would be nice to see us take take a punt perspective more now and then. But it it well, it worked. Mm. If you don't Joe buy Lenny. a ticket, you don't win the raffle. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, Joe Lenny is a player that I I did say a few times. Not not even just yesterday, previously as well. That he, he sort of doesn't shoot sometimes when he could shoot, and I think he'd get on the score sheet a lot more if he if he tried to shoot in those uh, when he gets in those positions. But yeah. That is, uh, that's something that I'm sure that they talk about in training and something that, that they'll sort out. Um, yeah, you mentioned there, uh, I can't remember who it was, about the uh, the atmosphere when the third went in, and that's something that we have to mention because at no other Premier League ground you're going to get that 3-0 down at home uh, You know, after an hour, and you still get the whole ground on their feet singing. It's pretty remarkable, and I think you have to say that went a long way to, to helping us get back into the game. Nick? I think what also helped us in the game was uh, Clattenburg, who's much, much better than Harold Webb. And we mentioned, you know, what what better ref he is. Uh, Suarez had a couple of dives, didn't he? And he actually called over Gerard and said, have a word with that buck-tooth bloke over there <laughs> about his diving. And that actually helped us, I think, because I think that, that unsettled Suarez a little bit. I can't remember when that was. I, whether It was definitely in the second half. But I think 
you know, Clattenburg had a, you know, maybe the diving Suarez is undoing a little bit, but he definitely yeah, he, picked up on it, which helped us a lot. Yeah, he booked Suarez at that point as well. Um, I don't think it was for the dive. I think it was for for the, him remonstrating with the referee afterwards. But that was when he, yeah, he pulled Gerard to one side and said, "Have a word," and that seemed to shut Suarez up a, a little bit until he uh, got all the cameras on him at full time. But again, we'll come back to that later on. Um, <laughs> right, so at this point in our conversation, we're 3-0 we're down at home to the, well, league leaders at that point. Well, they're still other league leaders now. Um, and then we made a couple of substitutions. So we'll talk about those. Uh, Punchin and Shamak went off in the 65th and 71st, respectively. And Gail and Murray came on. Now, uh, you know, at, at that point, uh, two decent changes. Um, but I don't think anybody thought they were going to have quite the impact that they did. Um, and then the, the third one was was KG for Tom Ince on the in the eighty fifth minute. So I just want to talk about substitutions because that's something that the managers sort of get judged on. You know their substitutions. Um, I mean, in the past, Dougie Friedman in Holloway, we've sort of you know slated them on on some and said that others were genius. So we'll talk about about those. And Tom, I'll come to you first. What what were your thoughts when we brought on those players that we did? Yeah, I was very happy to see uh, Tony Pierce make such strong attacking substitutions. Um, it would have been very easy in that case to, you know, to try and put another couple of defenders on and stop the embarrassment factor, as as some teams might have done. Um, but it, it's nice to see that he was actually like, well, let's go for it. Um, I was a bit surprised that he took punching off, because out of the two wingers, I thought at the moment, that moment in time, he was uh, more effective than Yella was in a long, long parts of the game, to be honest. Uh, but obviously later on, uh, someone flipped a switch on Yannick and he just went into beast mode. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, in the previous games against Villa, we saw that, you know, Pulis is happy to shut up shop, you know, when we're, you know, 1-0 up if he, if he thinks that's needed, rather than sort of pushing on for that second goal and maybe being caught out. So it's nice to see that he's also going to got that locker that he's prepared to, you know, unlike someone like Dougie, you know, go forward and find that second goal or that or that third goal, you know, try and, try and bring the game back from so far down. I mean, I mean, what do you other guys think? I mean, do you think it was it is an easy I, decision, or do you think it would? I most think people would have sort of, you know. Nick, I'll come to you. Are you still there? Uh, we'll talk about the substitutions. I'll go. But I, I just think personally, had the score been one nil to Liverpool at that point, those substitutions wouldn't have been made. I think it's uh, something that that they've wanted to experiment, Murray and Gale, because they've played so well in the development squad together and I, I've certainly been calling for, for that partnership but even at the start of the season I just thought there's going to be something between those two and they're going to click and I just think it went right the game's pretty much over I'm obviously not giving in because that's not in Tony Pulis' mindset but I think at 3-0 down you think well you know we'll have a go doesn't really matter from here does it but it proved uh, it proved a miracle for sure mm, Yeah there are certainly managers in this league that you know, if you're three 0 down at home, we'll look to shut up shop. They'll bring on a, a couple of defenders and just make sure that it doesn't get any worse and that they're not completely humiliated. But Pulis really does know what he's doing. I mean, uh, we've seen it time and time again this season, and it's it's purely him that's kept us in this division. Nick, I'll, I'll come to you now. If hopefully, you're back about the substitutions. Yeah, first of all, just before the substitution, when Liverpool went three 0 up, I was I was chatting with my sons, and part of me wanted to go on the scoreboard title rates that bit more exciting no seriously because i thought you know we're, we're out of this game and my my eldest son said i thought every game was going to be like this this year dad and and we did genuinely think at the start of the season it'd be one season up and we'd get hammered a lot um i think when police bought gallon my first impression was 
he told him, right, go out and show me why I should carry on playing you next year. And I thought that was that was to give him a chance. My second thought was, well, it's a bit unfair to get him to do that against Liverpool. However, he did score against Liverpool at Anfield. And it turned out to be a really astute substitution, especially putting two up with Liverpool pressing. Um, he knew that with them pressing so much, that they would be they would be caught short at the back. That's where Belassi came in. And I think he took punching on because he hasn't got the speed uh, of, the, of the turn of pace that uh, Belassi's got. Yeah, well, people talk about Liverpool's defence as well, but and say how you know how there might be a bit of a letdown for them. They they literally were absolutely appalling. And going forward, I don't think I've seen a better team in the league. But defensively, I think all four of them were just completely off the pace. And I think he just went, let's go at them because neither Skirtle or uh, Sarko could could deal with Murray. Mm, yeah, I just want to quickly touch on, on Nick's point about Dwight Gale, um, you know, going out and, and proving that he's he's got what it takes to play in this league. Um, Adrian Durham, boo hiss, uh, wrote an article today about Dwight Gale. Obviously, he's a Peterborough fan um, and, and he knows a lot about Dwight Gale. And he, uh, I'll read you the, the start of this article, which is pretty amazing. It says, two years ago this week, Dwight Gale scored a hat-trick and was man of the match for Conference Northside Bishop Stortford in a 4-0 win which saw Eastwood Town relegated. That's the sixth tier of English football. At the start of last season, he made his Football League debut for Dagenham and Redbridge in a 2-0 defeat at Cheltenham Town. Now, how far that lad has come is pretty miraculous. I mean, you know, no, fast forward a year after his uh, after his football league debut, he's scored a brace against Liverpool, um, and he's sort of taken the title off of him. So it's it's mad to see how far he's come, and, and surely, surely, I mean, we'll, again, we'll come onto it later on. He'll be given his chance next season, right? So the first of our goals uh, was Damien Delaney. It was a speculative effort. And it took uh, quite a big deflection, which took it away from Mignolet. Whether it would have gone in without that deflection is, uh, is, you know, is another matter. But about 25 yards out, and it's a fantastic effort. Um, sort of 3-0 down, might as well have a go. And it got Salah completely and everyone was on their feet, dreaming that we were going to get back into that game. Uh, I don't think at that point I really thought we were going to, but, uh, I, I mean, what, what a goal it was. Um, time to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think everyone was was thinking, you know, oh, we're back in the game. I think while it was cheered, you know, vigorously around me, a lot of it was sort of like, yay, consolation, you know, you know sort yeah. of um, bringing ourselves back with a sort of degree of respectability in the scoreline. Um, but yeah, so it, is, it, it took a, it took a bit of a deflection. But as Nick said earlier, you know, you got to you got to take a chance with some of those shots. If we if we if we shoot more like that, you know, from range sometimes instead of you know maybe looking for the pass. As we've said, uh, it's going to that perfect ball. Maybe, maybe we'll get a couple more goals like that way. I mean, we've we've not exactly been clinical in front of goal this year. I mean, I think are we still the lowest scorers in the league, or maybe Norwich of that accolade now? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, just you know, good for Damo. Just you know, coming forward once again. I mean, he's a central defender, and how far up the pitch was he? Just mm. to take that to have the confidence he, to have that shot on the free like down. He does like to maraud that man. My my first thought was right. I bet he's on to Ramage after the game because do you remember when he spoke to us on the whole radio earlier on this season? Um, how he was having a kind of competition with Ramage, and unfortunately Ramage went to Barnsley, didn't he? I think it was last year. Um, and I'd imagine he was straight on to to um, Peter Ramage after the game, saying, "You know, <laughs> what I did." Yeah, you tend to get one of those from Damien Delaney every game, one of those sort of marauding runs forward, trying to take it around about five players and, and create yeah. something. And it's usually when we need a goal. But yeah, absolutely fantastic effort. And I do agree with you, Tom, that at that point in the game, it was more 
um, well, fantastic, we scored, we're not going to get hammered and we've restored a bit of pride rather than fantastic, we scored, we're going to get back into the game. That was really when the second goal went in. Actually, I'll, I'll come to you first, Alex, on that first goal. Uh, what were your views on that? Did you think we were getting back into the game at that point or, or not? <laughs> Do you know what? I'd just gone to the toilet and then I'd come back and I saw this player stri- I just I saw this player strike the ball and it smashed the top corner and I thought, bloody hell, he's brought ints on, has he? That's someone got left foot like that because I didn't see the deflection at the time. I just thought, you know, I thought, bloody hell, who was that? Um I, do you know what? I, I always felt in the game that we would get a chance because like I alluded to earlier, their defence is was absolutely abysmal. Honestly, one of the worst defences I've seen all season. And that's saying a lot for the team that's second in the league. Well, actually top of the league today, aren't they? Yeah. I, I just I felt that we would get the chance. Whether we would take it is a is a completely different story. But based on having Dwight Gale on the pitch, based on having Glenn Murray, who are two of our most clinical strikers, based on Jerome and Shamak, then there was always a chance. Did I believe we'd get back in it? No, probably not. I believe that they'd control the ball in the way that we do, and, and we won't change the way we play. We're defensive. We don't like having the ball at us, at our feet, but I was proven very, very wrong. Okay. Um, so at 80 minutes, it's, the score's 3-1, and you, you know pretty much if we're going to get back into this game, then another goal needs to come pretty quickly, and it did one minute later. Um, you know, it was, it was two goals in a couple of minutes, and absolutely fantastic work from Yannick Balassi, um, who sort of just switched it on for, for 15, 20 minutes, and he was unplayable. Um, you know, he's quite anonymous for the first hour of the game, and then something just clicked in his mind, and, and he just went mental, and, and you know, that work for that second goal, really sort of summed up his performance, took it past Glenn Johnson and then had so, so much pace to get down that wing. Um, and a lot's been said of Yannick Balassi and his sort of lack of end product in the past, but he, he knocked it into Dwight Gale, who slotted it home, fantastic finish uh, for 3-2. Nick? Yeah, it was a lovely little jink just before he passed it from Balassi. And um, I, I don't know how tired Glenn Johnson was at this point in the game because he was up and down the wing. Um, and I've, I've written in the chat here, is Glenn Johnson going to be a worry for England? in the World Cup if he's if he's going to be like that. But he just showed how fast he is. I mean, who who been in a race between Balassi and Sturridge? Is Sturridge? And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. He just absolutely roasted Johnson. And I know much of the media was on what Liverpool did wrong, but why on earth did they have seven players in our penalty area at that point? It was a mm-hmm. classic Palace break, and they've only got themselves to blame. All right, it was, it was a brilliant it was a brilliant break, and, and we actually deserved it, I thought. Mm. 
Yeah, on, at three one, obviously Liverpool were uh, looking to just kill the game again after after we sort of tried to get back into it, and it's that goal difference thing again. You know, needing the goals, and I think they they well, Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville said the same thing. You know, they're just committing too many too many men forward. They they weren't doing what they should have done. They were getting nervous at that point as well. Um, but yeah, on, on Glenn Johnson, a lot of people said he had a bad game. I thought he was quite good yesterday. Um, I, I think that might be. A, slightly contentious point but you know, I mean I think he's a, he's a brilliant defender and, and will do well at the World Cup but yeah Balassi definitely had the better of him there um, Tom I'll come to you on that goal what were your thoughts? Yeah it's it, it's what we've seen in Gal really he just sort of you know floats around in the area and uh, manages to dink into the spaces really sort of you're uh, surprised how he gets into those positions sometimes and uh, yeah he just looked lively when he came on and it was, it was, it was something different to give Liverpool to think about and yeah fair play to him just took his chance absolutely well Okay, and I mean, Alex, it's, 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 go on, no, go on. No, I was just going to say it's it's just it's strange, isn't it? Thinking about um, a year and a day ago, you know, he was on that relegated Peterborough team against us at, yeah. at Sellers Park, and then, uh, you know, three hundred sixty-six days later, he's he's scoring two important goals for us against Liverpool that will stay long in some people's memory. Yeah, I mean, if you you said that to us on that last day of the season, last season, that player on the opposite team was going to do that, you just. You wouldn't believe it, would you? Uh, Alex, and your dodgy bladder, were you there for the second goal? I was, yeah. I, luckily, I, I did manage to, to hold on for the rest of the match. Um, yeah, it's, that's that's it, though, isn't it? Someone standing in the right place at the right time. He jinxes his body and, and he puts it in the net. And, and that's what you expect of Dwight Gale, isn't it? And, and you sort of think you've been crying out for that all season. But you've had, we've had to be reserved and, and do our job, but... Well, yeah, I just, for me, it's just it's everything. It just breeds confidence from there, and what a magnificent player! I truly do believe that. That uh, I, I I can't even express how much love I have for Dwight Gale right now. It's quite incredible. <laughs> right, let's move on to the third goal, which is incredible, and I really didn't think we'd be talking about three Liverpool go- uh, three, sorry, three Palace goals, um, when you know when we were three 0 down at that point, and I mean the third goal was was. Pretty incredible again. It was a long ball from Scott Dan. Um, and Alex, I'm going to come to you in a minute uh, about the chest from Glenn Murray because I know you're a big fan. But uh, yeah, hold, hold your hold your thoughts on that. Uh, and then a little left foot poke from from Dwight Gale, one with his uh, one with his right foot, one with his left foot. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, the Homestale went insane after that. You have to say, um, absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, just uh, I, I mean, I had tears in my eyes at full time. If I'm if I'm perfectly honest, perfectly honest, because. That was uh, one of those old, you know, I was there moments. Um, you know, you, you, we'll look back in, in 10, 15, 20 years' time to, to that game that, you know, where we sort of lost Liverpool the title, barring a miracle, of course, because they are still there, can still win it. Um, maybe when you, you're listening to this and, and City have beaten Villa tomorrow night, you'll, uh, you'll think maybe it's a bit less likely. But, Alex, that chest down from your man, Glenn Murray, how good was it? Oh, do you know what, Ben? I can't. I can't even comprehend how amazing that was. That was just, <laughs> just incredible. Do you know what? And the fact, and I'm not even saying it just because I'm a huge Glenn Murray fan. But that was, it's clever. That's now that's everything about that was a target man. And and my God, if we had that guy from the start of the season, incredible! What a player. Yeah. He's God. I said, I said yesterday, <laughs> him and him and Scott Dan are God. I've just, yeah, this thing, I've got this thing for Scott Dan as well now. If you wanna, if you wanna point that out, but just. <laughs> Unbelievable! What what is going on with Glenn Murray? He just get him more games and get him a knighthood. I don't care. <laughs> Nick, could you show a little man love there? 
Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. happily, happily. Um, two things about that. Um, one, if Rooney had done that, they, they'd been eulogising now still about it. Talking about it for weeks, yeah. Um, that's the best chess move I've seen since, and this is a bit of an obscure reference, the older listeners will know, yeah, right. since Brown Fox caught the ball in her tits in a Billy the Fish episode in Viz about 15 years ago and ran the full length of the pitch with the ball on her chest. I haven't seen a chess movement that good since Brown Fox did that. It was just that fantastic. Jesus Christ. I'm heading hands here, Nick. I, I personally don't have a clue what you're talking about, and I'm sure that the other presenters don't either. Um, or the rest of the world. Or the rest of the world. <laughs> so we'll gloss over it, and we'll go straight to Tom for his views on the third goal. Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to recover from the sexual noises Alex was making while talking about Glenn Murray and the, the, the weird <laughs> ramblings of of uh, Nick there. But um, yeah, it was it was a it was a beautiful chested pass, and again another really well taken goal by by Dwight. Those two have shown in the development games and sort of the reserve games, whatever they're calling it now. They, they've linked up really well. I mean, was it a couple, not even a month ago we knocked five past Brentford? Yeah. Well, Dwight, Dwight scored five and we not put six past them. I think they've got a real real possibility of um, of forming a good partnership and maybe maybe working for next season. So I've, I'd love to see more of that. I'd love to see him start against Fulham, to tell the truth. Um, but predictably, as soon as we have a, a player doing well, like Dwight today, we've already seen the tabloids pick up and say, oh, he's going to be gone next season. So uh, yeah. why don't you let us enjoy a moment in the sun? <laughs> yeah, after that Brentford game, there were a lot of people saying, you know, they they've put six past them. Surely they're they're the right partnership to to take us into next season. And at that point, you you kind of think, well, let's see if they can do it against a, a big team. And they've certainly done that against Liverpool yesterday. And I just, you know, even on the pitch just, for, for fifteen twenty minutes, they they really showed, you know, what what they can offer. Tom, I mean, why can't we do that for every game? You know, last fifteen twenty minutes, bring Dwight and Glenn on. I I think it it works really well. Uh, I I really really don't understand what we can Dwight can do more to get in the team. As I, I think there's a stat that was posted earlier. I think I popped in our chat, chat earlier, but he's played 77 minutes this calendar year and he scored four goals. Now you can argue that's against tired you know defences or right at the end of the game, but that's still a phenomenal return for the time he's played. The boy needs to be getting more game time, and I really hope it's with us. Yeah, and you mentioned Fulham, and hopefully that is the case that he'll, he'll play more against Fulham. But who knows? Maybe Tony Pulis sees him as you know as a end of the game type of player bring on you know sort of like a Javier Hernandez kind of figure you know bring him on for the last 20 minutes and and he'll, he'll work wonders there and, and get a goal but I'm sure Dwight himself as you know he's quite a young lad he's, he's only 23 years old he, he'll see himself as playing more football and he won't be happy coming on for 15-20 minutes of the game because he doesn't it's not even that every game you know he, some weeks he won't come on at all and he won't be happy with that and there, there was talk about him from a few sets of Palace fans and yeah, I mean, the Fulham game now becomes really interesting to see who we play, how we approach it, um, and if if uh, sorry, if sorry, Gale and Murray get a bit of game time. And I certainly hope they do. Uh, let's move on. One more thing to talk about um, during the game and then a few post-match things. Um, and that's the Victor Moses chance. I, mi- I missed it out of my, uh, my show doc before, um, but I want to just quickly touch on it because it was a, a pretty big moment in the game. 93rd minute, uh, Victor Moses, ex-Palace player, uh, get, gets the ball, sort of falls to him in the middle of the penalty area, and he he swings and sort of slices it. And I've I've seen some Liverpool fans saying some horrible things about him because uh, it's a pretty big thing for their season. You know, if that had gone in, then it you know all of this is is void, and you know they've gone away with the three points, and and we're very very disappointed. It would have killed Salas Park uh, to see Victor Moses score. But um, so Victor Moses is an eagle. Tom, did he do it on purpose? 
No, he didn't. But it is a. <laughs> It's it's very enjoyable, wasn't it? It was it was Nick's crazy laugh coming back again. Um, yeah, Victor Moses has got a, a special place in a lot of Palace fans' heart. You know, he he came through from the academy. He was doing good for us. He left mainly for financial reasons and because he he wanted to sort of further his career. He's never said a bad word about the club. Um, so you're right. If that had gone in, that would have been absolutely heartbreaking. But um, yeah, it, it's kind of nice that he just did sort of fluff his lines. Maybe, maybe in his deep heart, deep down after the game, you know, after he sort of got over the fact that he's not going to get the Premier League winners' medal, he you think, yeah, okay, I, you know, I'm glad I didn't do it, but uh, I'm sure glad he didn't do it in the end. I've got myself yeah. confused now. <laughs> Nick, did you uh, did you uh, like Victor Moses as a Palace player? I love Victor Moses. Who was it? He scored the overhead kick against Barnes West Brom. Oh, who was it? <laughs> We have a difference of opinion there, Jeffrey. Um, can I just say, uh, whoever spoke last um, said they left for financial reasons. It's worth making it clear to those quite new to Crystal Palace that it was um, for financial reasons for Crystal Palace rather than Victor Moses. We had to um, offload him because we would gone under quite possibly at that point. So I think it's worth making that point. Yeah, his, um, his, his sale kept the club club going yeah. for a while yeah it wasn't it wasn't for him financially although he probably did well out of it i mean the liverpool fans there's, there's a photo of him shaping up to shoot and they're slating the way that he's he's actually shaped up to shoot and they're also saying that he's an agent from chelsea as well as being an agent from <laughs> Palace. but he's not done it deliberately when you're playing football you don't you don't deliberately miss do you you they're competitive they want to win whoever they're playing for and even yeah. even if it did hurt Palace like Dennis Law many, many years ago scored for Man City and it relegated Man United. You won't remember that. But, you know, they, they'll still do it. You know, they want to score. Mm. And finally then, Alex, I'll come to you really quickly on that. What were your thoughts when, when Victor Moses missed that chance from right in the middle of the six-yard box? Oh, I thought it was in. Do you know that? I, I just... Oof. I was uh, very heart and mouth moment there but no, of, course he, of course he didn't mean to uh, didn't mean to miss and slip over and whatever I think Delaney slipped which helped us but he's a professional footballer isn't he he's there to do a job and I'm sure he wants to win the Premier League but um, I'm not complaining and um, sorry Victor you have screwed it up for your for your, your, your new team but you did a favour for your old team so thank you <laughs> Nick quick point you, you can't put the blame on him. It was their defence's fault that they, they capitulated and let three goals. Uh, on Match of the Day, it was really funny that there was a caption at that point that just said, mad scramble on the screen, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, you mentioned there about, about you know, the, the attackers doing their job, and that's one thing that I really thought at the end of the game, I'll move on to, to post-match now, and Suarez crying on the pitch. Um, and you do, well, I was going to say you do feel for him, I don't really feel for him, but you can see why why he's upset because, you know, as an attacking force, Liverpool have been brilliant this season and, and Sturridge and Suarez and Sterling, they've all done their job and they've been let down by the defence, the, the leaky defence, you know, has to be said. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Suarez couldn't have done a lot more, but he was absolutely distraught. And, uh, I mean, it was Istanbul in reverse, wasn't it? So, Cristanbul, some people have been saying, so we can refer to it as that if you like. But uh, one more quick point on that as well. Gerard was kissing the camera a few weeks ago and he was pushing it away last night. So, uh, how, how we can turn on the media in such a short space of time. Um, Nick, I'll come to you. I mean, you can do your evil laugh if you want or you can give me a bit of, uh, bit of, a bit of verbal on that. No, I'm just going to advertise the fact that I've, got, uh, I've been posting, for, I've been instructed by Mikey that I'll get the sack unless I do some... Um, at Palace Vines, Vines during the game. And I'm sorry if they're a bit shaky, but there's a very good Vine of um, Suarez just walking off 
hiding his face. So that's a plug for at Palace Vines. There's a capital P and a capital V in there um, for that. And yeah, doesn't matter because you know hashtags and Twitter IDs are, are aren't case sensitive. But you go ahead, Nick. Okay, I didn't know that. You learned something new. I'm showing my age there. Uh, but I knew about Dennis Law and you didn't. And Brown Fox. <laughs> um, no, um, he's a girl, isn't he? I know he's upset, but man up. Come on. It's only a game. Okay, so uh, from Nick there, if you do want to see Suarez crying again, just go to at Palace Finds and there's a little wine on there. Um, Alex, I'll come to you. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on Suarez's massive reaction at the end of the game and walking literally from one side of the pitch to the other with uh, Torre having to walk him off because he couldn't see because he had a shirt over his face? Do you know what, Ben? It's very much like my reaction at the end of the game as well. Um, <laughs> No, it, that was certainly my reaction when I saw Julian Sproni crying and, and waving and whatever. I don't know if we're going to come on to that. But, yeah, it's the next um, one, yeah. yeah, it's football, isn't it? And It's more than just a game for a lot of people and uh, it means a lot to him. Um, whatever floats his boat. Some of us are more emotional than others. But yeah, it's the title. It's, it's a massive thing. But bounce back next year. I don't think you'd find any of our players doing that. I think we, we turn a lot of negatives into positives and... Uh, Maybe maybe he's not used to losing or drawing. I think I think as well. If it was uh, if it was Palace in that situation, Jen, that would have been straight over. You know, picked him up and walked him off the pitch himself because that is that is Palace and the team spirit. Whereas Gerard sort of went over, picked him up, uh, and then pissed off and, and did his own thing. So um, yeah, and, and sort of left it to to Kodo Torre to go and sort him out. And I, I was a bit disappointed with Gerard for that. I mean, if I was a Liverpool fan watching that, I would have been disappointed that the captain hasn't you know taken responsibility because there was a, a shot after as well. Um, you know, Torre walking walking Torres off the pitch and Gerard sort of just ambling off behind him. Um, you know, and he, they're both all going in the same direction. I think Gerard could have uh, could have helped him out a bit. Let's talk about man of the match um, because there were a few of them because we were 3-0 down and, and we got back into the game and, and went through. I think we can rule out, um, you know, punching the Shamak because they went off uh, before we got back into the game and you'd have to say that everything happened after those couple of changes were made. But for me, it's got to be Yannick Bellassi. Um Dwight Gale run, has to run him close because, you know, he scored two goals against Liverpool. But um, for the last 20 minutes in that game, Yannick Bellassi was completely unplayable. Um, nobody could get near him. He was burning players uh, for pace and just absolutely phenomenal. So for me, um, there's only one man that's Yannick Bellassi. Alex? I don't know, you know. The crowd. How about that one? No? Can't okay, do that we'll one. go ahead. The 12th uh, yep. man. Yeah, absolutely. Tony Pulis, actually. Everyone. I don't care. Have them all. Okay. And Tom, who's your man of the match? I'd go with Dwight Gale. Um, you're right. Yalik. Yeah, Yalik? Yannick. Balassi was <laughs> was great in the final 20 minutes, but I, I really, really thought he wasn't at his, at his best for a lot of the game. Um, he, he was. Don't get me wrong. He was, he was great entertainment watching him run down, especially when we were 3-1 and 3-2 up. Um, just absolutely burning the Liverpool defence and there was a there was a bit in the second half I think it was a 3-2 where um, he was over by the uh, the left hand side of the homestyle and he sort of just one of the centre-backs was trying, trying, to, trying to sort of come in and clatter him and he just sort of bent down a bit and the guy went flying over his back and then sort of jinxed yeah. another couple of players into the box um, but no Dwight for me you know as soon as he got on the pitch the game changed and just getting in those positions and two really very smartly struck goals from the chances he got so yeah Dwight Gale Okay, so we're at one vote for Dwight Gale, one vote for Yannick Bellassi, and one vote for, for Tony Pulis in the crowd. And Glenn Murray, he gets <laughs> okay. one as well. So, Nick, you <laughs> cast the deciding vote here. I think the man of the match was Ledley. 
transition. <laughs> and I just wanted to make it really awkward for you to decide. No, I, I can't pick one. Yannick Bellassi was the man of the last 20 minutes, as was Dwight Gale. Um, it's hard to pick. Um, I thought that Yedinak was a lot, lot better than he has been in recent weeks. And I will hold my hands up and say, I think I was right about him earlier on with his misplaced passes. But actually, as a result of my moaning, he's just got a lot, lot better. So, he yeah, listens to you, obviously, Nick. Yes, he listens to the whole radio pods, doesn't he? So he must know. No, um, Nick, the, the way you said that, Nick, you just need to say, do you know what, everyone, I'm sorry, I was completely wrong. Jednak is our captain, leader, legend, and without him, we wouldn't have stayed up this season. He had a dip in form, and I he was right to criticise. He did, but he knew he did as well, and he took it on the chin, and the players were spirited enough around him to carry him through. Could you imagine if we dropped him? Do you, do you seriously think we'd, we would have done as well as that we've done now if we seriously dropped him? No chance. No, not, not, right. a, not a chance in hell. Yeah, we do have to say, uh, you know, the, the rise of Mile Jednak from, from his dip in form, uh, you know, you have to give full credit to Nick Gussett for that because he, he really, you know, he's sort of spurred him on, he's told him what he was doing wrong and Jednak's listened to Nick Gussett and he's he really improved his performance. So so really thank you to Nick for that, uh, for keeping us up this season. Everyone, Nick Gussett. Yes. Way. <laughs> Let's boo, boo, Nick, boo, Nick. <laughs> Let's talk about the, uh, the parade post-game because... Uh, Usually at this point we're wrapping it up because we've talked about the game, but there was more more action for us to talk about, and that was the parade. Um, and one, that, well, the main talking point from that, I suppose, is Julian Spironi. Um, and it's not a particularly positive point. Um, you know, he, he got a lot of um, praise, and Jen Nat was picking him up, and it, it, Spironi was getting very emotional. But it, I don't know, I, I'm interested to see what you guys think about this, actually, because I sort of thought, uh, you know, came across as a bit of a goodbye, um, and I hate to say that because obviously, I'm I'm with the rest of the Palace fans that I want him to stay in. I want him to be there for another ten years. But um, yeah, it looked suspiciously like. I mean, he, he's at the point at the moment where he doesn't know if he's going to be here. At, that, at the end of the day, he doesn't know if he's going to be playing for Crystal Palace next season. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't sort of give a bit of a wave goodbye, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to do that again. Um, I'm sure he wants to play for Palace, and I'm sure he will play for Palace. But uh, yeah, as with uh, you know, a lot of Palace fans, I'm a bit worried about it. Uh, Tom, I'll come to you. Yeah, as you say, it, it did look like a bit of a goodbye. I mean, he throws his gloves into the crowd every year from memory, so I, that didn't worry me too much, but it was definitely really getting to him. I mean, he's been backed incredibly by the uh, the, the fans over the last couple of years, and especially I think it was last year with the banner when he's made, they got the, the Julian Speroni, uh, Manos, Hand of God yeah. uh, banner. Um, as you say, the contracts are unresolved. Um, I think he'd hate to have missed the chance to say thank you and goodbye in that sort of sense. So that's probably why I did it. Uh, I, I really hope he will be here next year. I'm, I'm quietly confident, but obviously, you know, he has got other offers and he'll do the deal that's best for him. So it, it, was, it was nice to sort of get that farewell if it, if it is going to be that for Jules. But I don't think it is certainly that way any, at the moment. OK, and Alex, is, is Julian Sproni going to be a Palace player next season? No. Oh, um, big comment. Go yeah, for it. I. Do you know? I just think. I yeah. Do not for me straight away. As soon as the full time whistle went, Milo Jindak after running ninety five minutes, constantly putting tackles in left, right, and centre, sprinted over to Julian Sproni, grabbed him, put his arm around him. For me, that suggests there's something going on. Everyone had their arms around him, giving him hugs. Obviously, he's emotional and loves Crystal Palace, but. I, I can see I can 
Was, See us was that... only offering a short-term deal and somebody else offering a long-term deal abroad. Was that not because everybody was chanting his name, though, and he wanted to join in? Psychologically, you, know... you kind of go to it. He'll be playing for um, Boca Juniors next year after he has a successful um, World Cup. Well, yeah. it's wherever he goes to the World Cup, I suppose. Do you know, it, I, I, I agree, I agree, Nick, and it might have been caught up in all the emotion and everything, but even still, I, it was the wave for me. You know, I can accept crime because he's like that, and we all know how emotional and down-to-earth he is, but he waved to every single person in that in that stand, and you just felt, God, I, he's gone, I, he's, God is gone, isn't he? But, are you... Are you crying now? It sounds like you're, you're about to. Do you to know what? Do you know what? I this. actually did. I did shed a tear, and the person next to me said, "I cannot believe you're crying." But it it, it does that. It does mean that much to you, don't you? Get that connected and. Yeah. Wow. I've it's, just got it's something one... in my eye. Honest. <laughs> it's very dusty. No, no the, the man's a legend. Um, I I do I do hope I'm wrong, but I I can't see anything else. Yeah, to be honest, I think we all really hope you're wrong, but there is that doubt in people's minds, sort of creeping in now. Hopefully, he wins Player of the Year tonight, and you know, and that is one more sign to the to the board that he needs to be given a new contract. Because, I mean, if 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 we haven't made it clear enough already, the fans absolutely adore him, and and he absolutely adores the club, and you know, he's got to stay, and he's got to. Uh, but whether he will is another matter, because football is football, and anything can happen. Um, moving no on slightly, sentimentality yeah, on. in football. Sorry, there's no room for sentimentality at all. You no, know. but the guys are talking goalkeeper. We should just be thankful that we've had 10, 10 years of the guy or, or whatever. And if he does go, let's hope he gets a testimonial and uh, against Boca Juniors. be nice. And um, we'll just give him the send-off he needs. 10 years service. You know, that's unheard of in today's game. You know, Stephen Gerrard, maybe John Terry, Frank Lampard. There's not many that stay with a club for as long as he has. Would you not but be overly bothered then, Nick, if he went? <sighs> Wayne Hennis is a good keeper, mate. Yeah. No, I, I fully appreciate that Wayne Hennessy is a good keeper, but I mean, if we hadn't have offered him a new deal, I, you know, I will act, I would be fuming. I will be because I just, I just believe he deserves that respect from from the club, personally as as a servant. You know, he he could have had the opportunity to go to a Premier League club before. He had the opportunity to go to a couple of Championship clubs before. He deserves that. Even even if he's number two, do you know what? Because he's a great person to have in and around the in and around the club, and he's better than Wayne Hennessy hands down. So. Yeah. That's the thing. I think with with Julian Spironi, it's number one or nothing because he's not going to sit around and and you know he's he's been number one keeper for for nigh on ten years. He's not going to. Oh yeah. He's coming. He's not going to be. But nobody's set. nobody's guaranteed a place, are they? Though they they can't say they won't sit there in, in the meeting room and go to Julian Spironi. Oh yeah, you're going to be number two next year. I don't think Tony Pulis is that. I don't, I don't think he's about that. I think t- Spironi only gets dropped when he deserves to be dropped and, and, and Pulis had the same thing at, at Stoke though. that's the big thing he had Begovic, Butland and Sorensen and he, and he stuck with Sorensen until he felt that he was done and then he bought through Begovic and, and he, even ha- he even had Butland while, he, while he's got Begovic so it, you know, it, just because Hennessy's there doesn't mean he's going to start him Sorry, there were three goalies warming up as well, was Lewis Price out at the beginning before the game? No, no Price was at Mansfield Mansfield, yeah no, who was out? I'm sure I saw three goalies out. Maybe I think I'm it's there. King, King, yeah. Thomas King. Thomas uh, King. What, yeah, one of the youth goalkeepers it was. Yeah, yeah. On the parade, uh, did anybody notice on the uh, on the jumbotron the the barometer? I thought it was going to rain because it was had red dots on it. You can normally tell when it's going to rain when the jumbotron has um, red dots on it. Um, 
it flashed to Steve Parrish, who looked so bloody miserable. I don't know whether it was miserable or pensive. I couldn't make my mind up, but he, he just looked... For somebody who's just witnessed one of the best seasons at Sellhurst ever, he, he just didn't look that happy. No, yeah, I did see that, and I do I take your point on board, but I mean, he's quite a serious-looking bloke, isn't he, Steve Parrish? And I'm sure underneath that, you know, that resilient exterior, he's, he's bursting with pride because... You know what what he's done to the club and what you know the, the club have done for him really uh, is pretty magnificent over the last three three or so years. So yeah, absolutely. Maybe brilliant. the seat's just uncomfortable. I mean, Simon Jordan used to have that maybe look need, on his face maybe, all the time. Maybe didn't he needs so, Yeah, or you know, Jordan never looked happy and always sitting there scowling. So maybe, maybe the seat's just really uncomfortable. Well, he used to stand up, didn't he? Can I just pick somebody up? Um, Spironi hasn't played for the last ten years because we I had know, uh, Kavali, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I appreciate that. I did hear you. I did hear when I said that. I heard you say no, he's not. No, yeah, I do. I appreciate Gabriel Curry was there for for quite a long period. So, I, yeah, I apologise for that. Um, let's talk about who's staying and who's going. I mean, we'll, we'll start to wrap it up uh, shortly. But for me, uh, you know, there's there's going to be a few players that are gonna that are going to be leaving. Um, and you know, whether we whether we want that or not, that will happen. And there's going to be players in there that that we love as fans, but they're just you know. For, you, uh, Nick talked about sentimentality and there isn't any room for it in football and I think there is a bit of that with, with some of the players that I think will leave and, and I'll be disappointed but I've got to say I think Peter Ramage will leave I, I think Paddy McCarthy will leave I think Guardiola, Bannon, Moxie I think they'll all, they'll all probably be out the door um, because we have to make space for, for new players that we want to bring in and that is football players come, players go um, hopefully Spironi isn't on the outgoing list um, but yeah there's, there's going to be quite a, a large shipment of players leaving I think um, so Tom, I'll come to you first. If you, I, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot with names, but are there many players that you think will leave? Quite a few, yes. Um, I think a couple of our youngsters who are on longer contracts might uh, either be loaned out for the season or or, or be sold on. Um, I really would like to see more of people like Carl De Silva, but I, I think the time for them to get a chance at Palace has probably passed, sadly. Um, there'll be players that Holloway bought in, like uh, Kebe, who I, I think will try and move on, but it's whether any clubs will, you know, take them off our, our hands, especially with the wages we're probably paying them. I'd like to see Campana play, but I think we'll probably sell him. Although Nuremberg's potential of being relegated, I think if they they've got to win their last game and hope that uh, Hamburg lose theirs to even get a chance of staying up, uh, and whether if they go down they'll be able to afford to play like Campana, or whether they want to play in the German second division. Um, but, I, but I can certainly see him going to someone. So I think there's there's a fair few bodies out there. We'll we'll be having a bit of a clean out. Um, I, there's, there's a lot of players out of contract, anyways, and there. I mean, you've got the likes of um, oh god, I've forgotten his name now. I was going to say James Scowcroft, but he's not. You know the um, Wilbraham. Oh, Wilbraham, yes, thank you. Uh, I don't know who who that's more insulting to than that that comparison. <laughs> but it's um, going. It was good. Don't knock him. Yeah, he got a hat trick, didn't he? Once. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there'll be there'll be some bodies moved moved on, or at least tried to move on. Quite a okay. few. Um, Alex, I'll come to you. Uh, any names that you think will will be out of the door? Yeah, I think you've named all the obvious ones there. I think there might be one, one of two or three, and um, maybe Bannon, Guidiora, maybe even O'Keefe. Not getting the chance because I think he'll look to bring in a central midfielder, providing uh, KG gets a new contract. I, I can see one of those guys going, which would be a real shame because they've all got good ability about them but they don't get games now and I, I, I read something uh, saying that Pugis wants to 
ship a few out so he can he can spend a bit bigger on on more quality rather than quantity because we have got a massive squad you know you look at Garvin Dobby Wilbraham yeah, these guys that didn't get in the 25 we've got a big squad uh, Nick do you think they'll be next to us and then Tom straight after yeah I think um, I was going to say you mentioned Garvin I think Garvin's actually going to go to Millwall um, it, it's I'm not sure if I mentioned this before, but you talk about the players coming through, like your Gus Sowles. Oh, no, I've pluralised the player. That's something I swear I'd never do. Um, Gus Sow and uh, Boateng, you know, with with the youth setup we've got, um, they had more of a coming through when we were in the championship, and it was, it was in the championship, it was exciting to see players coming through uh, the ranks into the first team, and that's something, you know, maybe we wouldn't have seen Zaha if we'd have been in the premiership earlier, I don't know which is a pity and some other teams that they'll put in youngsters in quite quite young well obviously they're young if they're youngsters <laughs> but into the premiership that's the most stupid thing i've ever said okay i think it's not i think you've said now. stupider things <laughs> i was just gonna say something a bit controversial really something about jidnak he said was quite stupid um no that was true anyway so yellow's <laughs> only got a year left on this contract like Lamar, aren't you no, Yala's only got a year left on his contract. If you know, Tony Pulis wants money and funds for uh, the squad next summer. Um, Palace obviously don't want to let a player who's showing better and better, getting better and better by the day, and showing very good ability. Um, do you think there's potential we sell him? I know there was a few scouts sniffing around him in the summer. Um, Arsenal, <laughs> whether you believe it or not, we're even rumoured to have a, a scout down at various occasions last season. I'm not going to say he's going to go there, but could you see an offer coming in and the club thinking, well, you know, contracts aren't going the, the way we want it to. Let's get some money for him now rather than lose him on a free next year and use it to reinvest. OK, I'll start you off on that um, with a no, because I, I personally don't think that it'll go. I mean, we'll, we'll probably get offers, um, as we were for a lot of players, um, but I can't see... Yannick Balassi leaving. I mean, he's happy at Palace. Uh, you see him tweeting all the time that, you know, he loves the fans, he loves the club, he feels at home at Palace. Um, we're going for Sean Scannell felt at home at Palace and fans couldn't see him leaving. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's that, I mean, he'll look yeah, at... Yeah, but he got, asked, he, got, he got told to leave. Well, that, that's a story for another day, but we'll... we'll I mean, that's a good way of, of using the Yannick Balassi thing because, I mean, he'll look at players that have left like that. I mean, you could even go as far as someone like John Bostock and saying, look how far they went when they left Palace because, you know, he's at a good club, he's in a good place. Um, he's in a team with a lot of potential that, that are looking to secure their place in the Premier League and go, you know, up a gear to, to the sort of the next level. And he's a player that will be brilliant in that scenario. Um, and I, I really can't see us getting rid of him. Nick, can you? No, uh, he was in the paper today, Croydon Eddie, was it, saying how much he loved it. Look, we're, we're going to have loads and loads of stupid speculation, aren't we? We're going to enter the silly season soon. And it, it, it's going to get on everybody's tits by the time the season starts again, who's coming in, who's going out. Um, I, I questioned Murray last week. I mean, after that chest down, maybe maybe I'll change my mind about that. It's, you know, this is his last, next season will be his last chance to prove himself a Premiership player. It's hard because you don't know till till Pulis and Parish have had their conversation. Is it next Wednesday? It, it, and whatever we say is just complete pure speculation. Okay. Um, so it's just guess, guesswork. Alex, I'll let you finish off on Balassi. Do you think he'll be a Palace player next season? Yeah, they they you know I think they'd rather let him go for free than cash in on him personally because I think he's a he's a massive influence and gives us another chance of staying up again and that's priceless. You think we'll be priceless, eh? 
think he's I think he's off to you. No, no, no. I said, I said they won't. <laughs> I, was, like, I uh, think they'll, uh, they'll uh, rather let him go for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what, Ben? You can go away. And we'll move on. We'll move on from that because uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I tried, I tried to make a joke and uh, and it went straight over your head. So don't get enough. too comfortable in that hot seat there, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read some four reviews um, and then we'll leave and we'll continue this argument off air. No, I'm joking. Uh, right, four reviews. Anthony Pierce, you will know him as another presenter, has said best game this season. Elliot Richardson says manager of the season. Uh, Ian Lyons along the same line says manager of the year. Uh, a good one from Lawrence Price says all right on the Dwight. Uh, Dan Gilruth says proud to be Palace. Neil Kite, don't let Speroni go. Charlie Blight, remind them of Istanbul. Shirley Gale, oh how I love Palace, that's five words. Uh, Dean Powell says what a comeback. Tony King, the miracle of Cristanbul. Um, and let's go with one last one from Gavin Cook. He says, ha, 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 Suarez. So uh, a nice sort of rounded view of, of the game. Um, Tom Fancitz popped in into the chat here and said, crap, 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 insane, which uh, which perfectly sums it up, I think. Uh, Nick wants to ask, a, ask us a quick question before we finish, and then we'll wrap it up. Nick? Was last night your best night under the floodlights at Celeste? Good question. For me, I'm going to say yes. I, I mean, I can't think of any any better ones. There's a few pretty amazing games at Palace. Um, I mean, beating Villa in, in the FA Cup is one that springs to mind, but there's been so many. But, I mean, that one, you have to say, you know, you know what it meant for Liverpool. Um, the fact that it was a nothing game and going into it, I didn't expect anything from it at all. 3-0 um, down, again, you still don't expect anything. And then for that to happen is... Just miraculous, really. And the more I think about it, you know, the better it is. And, and I really wish I could rewind time 24 hours. I mean, it's coming up half eight on, on 24 hours after. I mean, if I could rewind 24 hours now, I'd be right in the thick of it. And, and I could think of, of many better things to be doing, to be honest. So uh, for if me... If you could rewind it's, 24 it's... hours, you wouldn't be presenting a podcast, would you? You'd be quite rich. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, right, Alex, thoughts on the next question? Um... Yeah, it's definitely up there. I think if I had to sit down and think about it. Um, I thought Cardiff at home in the Carlin Cup was pretty spectacular. We won 1-0. But um, yeah, it's definitely up there. I think the emotion at the end of the game after sort of being quite low at 3-0 down was um, was definitely probably the best feeling, yeah. OK, and Tom? Nope. Um, for me, it has to be Sunderland at home in the playoffs. That was just a special, special game. Um, yeah, I think that was... Definitely the, the sort of the best obviously sort of seen Palace atmosphere for an evening game. Mm, Nick's waiting with, with Wolves as well and the Danny Butterfield Patrick, yeah, go on. But that that's not mine. Nineteen seventy nine, Friday night, Burnley. Oh yes. Was that was my best game. But yeah, it was special last night and uh, the the joy of being a Palace fan is these moments don't come along that often and, and when they do you savour them all the more, don't you? And that that's, yeah, that's what makes it that's special. That's the thing. I mean yeah, you think about that so much. I mean, if we supported a team like, like Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, I mean, these these situations are, are normal. You know, you go to a game, you expect to win, you expect to see us win brilliantly. But as a fan, anything can happen. And, and yeah, I completely agree. You, I mean, we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So, fantastic. Um, thank you all for listening to the podcast. Um, normally at this point, we'd say, if you're listening to this on the podcast, why not listen live next week? Um, but you're not listening live because nobody's listening live because it's just us. But... Yeah, definitely do listen live next week uh, while you listen to us in the podcast. We'll, we'll be back next Monday, the 12th of May, uh, with Chris, Alex, Barney and Nick. So, good night.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.